Sales Tuners, Episode 74, Pat Rogers, Vice President of Sales at LearnCore. We all leave sales kickoffs and trainings with a rah-rah attitude, and I might be able to use that for the first two weeks, but once something gets hard, do I just revert back to uh, what I've done before? This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown. The only weekly show where we talk about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that get sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. It's time. It's time. It's Sales Tuners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Catherine Pulsifer, who said, manager is a title. It does not guarantee success. Coaching is an action, not a title, and actions will result in successes. This week, I'm joined by Pat Rogers, Vice President of Sales at LearnCore, a sales training and coaching platform. Pat uses his training and enablement skills not only in the office, but also on the lacrosse field where he coaches kids from third to eighth grade. And if that doesn't keep him busy enough, he's also an officer in the Chicago chapter of the American Association of Inside Sales Professionals. Before we dive in, I want to make a public call for new guests. Now understand, I have no shortage of people who've already agreed to be on this show, but I want to hear from you. If you are the top salesperson in your company or know someone who's in that spot that you'd like to hear from, shoot me a note, jim at salestuners.com. Here's the catch. I've got to be able to verify that you or they are actually number one. Also, I'm not just looking for software and technology salespeople. I'm looking for the best of the best, regardless of industry, to see what we all can apply in our own day-to-day processes. All right, make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salestuners.com slash 73. But now, let's get to the conversation where Pat talks about his evolution from competition being his driving force to now being able to watch his team achieve their goals. I think initially was uh, competition um, is what fueled me early on in sales. However, now the biggest thing for me is watching my team evolve and achieve their goals. And and once I've moved into that leadership role, I think that's the biggest thing that uh, motivates me every day. I like that a lot. And so speaking of teams, I have to bring this up. We're both Indiana University graduates. Absolutely. But that's, but that's kind of where the commonalities end. You're an IU basketball fan. I'm a Kentucky basketball fan. Oh, yeah. And it's and it's been a rough run for us. You know, I think the the last uh, big one was the, the Watford three that I can hold on to. But beyond that, uh, it's, it's been a tough run for us. And and because of that, can we just agree that this is IU's fault that we don't play each other in December anymore? Uh, you know, we're we're gonna we we offered the neutral ground, but you know, we'll we'll, we'll give this a uh, a, a gentleman's uh, handshake on that one. <laughs> it's one of the things I miss most about early December because that was always supposed to be IU versus Kentucky, and always. and I miss those games. I I hope that with the new coach uh, down in Bloomington that we can get that back on the schedule, even yeah. if we play every single game at, at Banker's Life or Lucas Oil or something like that. <laughs> It just belongs uh, on the schedule. So, oh yeah, I think Archie will find a way. He's he's done well so far. So I've got my my hopes up. I know Calipari said that if he was going to start a program with any coach in the country, it would be Archie Miller. So I think there's good days ahead for the IU program. Yep. Well, Pat, in this show, as you know, we talk about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that have led to your success. So I want to understand your sales process today. What is LearnCore, and why does a typical customer decide to buy from you? 
LearnCore is a platform that's focused not only on just the knowledge side of sales, but also the skills. You know, the, the hardest thing that anyone in any role has to do is go out and communicate what they've learned. And in a lot of cases, that first communication actually happens in front of a client. Um, and so LearnCore's goal is that we pull those two things together. You need knowledge, but you also need reinforcement and the ability to make sure that every time you're saying it, you're saying it the right way and the best way. And so the platform allows for both coaching as well as skills practice to ensure that we're closing the gap on both of those pieces. And so clients that are coming to us are looking for those answers, whether it's you know creating a coaching culture, which we hear a lot, uh, reinforcing the sales kickoff, ensuring that we can replicate our top performer behavior across the board, or even all the way to do we have the right managers in the right seats and being able to evaluate not only their skills, but also the way that they coach their teams. So really anyone that is in a client-facing role that needs to ensure they're communicating at the highest level, that's where we come in and that's what they're looking for from LearnCore. Now, are you guys specifically focused on just sales and sales enablement, or do you service other industries as well with the platform? We usually enter organizations from the sales perspective because that's the highest need. Um, but then it quickly evolves into areas such as channel partnerships and alliances where we're distributing those to resellers or partners that need to be able to champion our message, as well as then in a lot of cases, and this is becoming more of a focus as organizations are realizing that recurring revenue is even more important than initial revenue is those customer success and support teams. Uh, the biggest challenge there is that in a lot of organizations, traditionally, we're looking at them as cost centers, uh, but that's changing. And so that has become a new area of focus for us in terms of how do we support, upsell, and maintain client happiness and client loyalty. And that's a new area that we're definitely expanding into pretty quickly. Well, this whole concept of knowledge and reinforcement and then the ability to go practice what you've learned, uh, I think is fantastic. It's one of the things, you know, I do on a daily basis with my clients. And, and we've already talked about prior to, to jumping on the recording here that I might be needing to look at your your uh, platform to reinforce that once I leave because I can't be there uh, every single day for every hour of the of the time. And, and that's the biggest thing is that, you know, we we all leave sales kickoffs and trainings with a rah-rah attitude, and I might be able to use that for the first two weeks. But once something gets hard, do I just revert back to uh, what I've done before? And how do we make sure that we're always evolving? And that's definitely exactly to your point. You know, how do we make sure that reinforcement happens? And that's that's hopefully what we're helping our clients do every day. I know having to go back to the things that we've always done in the past, that is a challenge that we have because that's our natural level or natural instinct is just to fall back on what we've done forever. So being able to continuously level up and see each different progression and move forward is something that that I find very valuable. So Pat, you haven't always been the person that you are today. Let's go way back. How did you actually get into sales? I've got a few family members. So my uncle, uh, my uncle Bill has been in sales and was probably my first intro to that. He uh, was a big distributor um, of Miller Lite way back in the day, um, is, is now a Bud Light distributor, but uh, learned from him. And then a, a good family friend of ours actually gave me some opportunities early on uh, working for the Colts in an internship uh, while he was the head of sales there, Tom Zupanzik. And so I've got some, some really good foundational family and uh, friends that kind of led me down that path. And the fact that I never shut up was probably what uh, gave them the idea that I should probably go that direction. When you were just starting out in those early days, whether it be the internship or your first job in, in software sales, what were some of the early challenges, Pat, that you had to overcome uh, to get your, your career rolling? I think the, the biggest thing for, for me and for most young sellers is just that confidence and understanding that um, you know, we're, we're not always going to have the answers, but 
we need to be able to try our own things. And, I, and that's something that I, I've, I learned early on is that if I was just to replicate somebody else's message, it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be as strong and that I needed to come up with my own way. And in order to have the confidence to do that, I needed to give it a shot and just get outside my shell and, and trial and error will get you to that point. Uh, but then practicing that is, is the most important. So I think confidence in order to go your own way within the same boundaries you know, that, that you've been taught as a salesperson, but to be able to have that confidence to not only deliver my own message, but also to challenge a client. I think those are probably the two biggest things that I needed to overcome to make sure that I was going to be a successful salesperson. I'm going to struggle with that almost immediately, right? So you yeah. said that you can't just take someone else's story and go tell it as your own. You have to make it yours. So where where do we find that balance? Because again, you know, looking at even the product that you're out there selling right now, it is, hey, how do we stay on message? How do we get the things that we need to get across to the prospect? And how do we you know, continue to have a repeatable process? So where is that balance between what you're saying, find your own way and rely on what we've learned? And it is a fine line, right? Because I think the... The hardest part for a lot of folks is how do we make sure that they're saying the right things and control that? And, and that control piece is, is, I think, where a lot of folks go wrong. Because what we want to be able to provide is a framework. And I look at it as there's the difference between a framework and a script. A script is me repeating what you've just said to me and what I need to read on this piece of paper. That's where I start to sound like a robot and I'm no better than a recording. Now, a framework is here's the general theme that you need to get across how you tell that story, the way that you use your own voice inflection, the way that feels comfortable to you, that is what we want to focus on. So what are the, what's the framework we can use to have that conversation? Our delivery must feel comfortable for us, for it to be believable, and for us to have confidence in delivering it. And how much freedom and flexibility do you give reps? You know, you talk about your reps today. How much freedom and flexibility do you give them to truly uh, make that their own, internalize it, uh, add their own voice and inflection, things like that? It's really at the point of I want them to try it their way and have the opportunity to fail because if, if I don't do that, then I'm, I'm the manager that steps in too much. And so from a flexibility perspective, we look at it as here is the framework, here are the things that you need to get across, and we practice those. How do we ask those questions? What information do we need to share? And then based on that, what stories you tell is entirely up to you, how you present that, how you communicate that is entirely up to you. And they're going to fail, right? I mean, without a doubt, they will fail and you need to let them do that. And so in order to make sure that this works, we have a framework and somewhat of a checklist for each step in order to make sure that they've asked all of the questions they need to. Because how you get there is, is the piece that they can decide. What they need to get out of that conversation is the piece that we create in the framework. And so we give them a lot of latitude to do that because Without that, they're going to sound like a robot and they're going to be way more uncomfortable in the long term than they are if we can get them up to speed faster by allowing them to wrap in their message around that framework. And you kind of said it there that, you know, they're going to fail. They're going to have some issues with this. They have to be able to do that, you know, even in front of the prospect that has to happen. What is the, the biggest thing that, Pat, you see them struggle with right out of the gate as they're trying to make that story their own? A lot of young reps and even and even new reps moving to an organization, it's the fear of the next question. I don't want to say this because I'm worried that they're going to ask a question that I don't know the answer to. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that holds people back is that they feel like they have to be perfect because if they're not perfect, there's going to be a question coming out of it. 
And the biggest thing that, that we coach them towards is there's going to be a question no matter what you say. That's the way that sales goes. And your simplest response is, you know, I'm not sure what that answer is yet. I'm going to go find out and get back to you as soon as I possibly can. And then that's what we coach on for the next call, right? And so that eventually you've evolved into someone that can answer that question in your own way competently. But I think it's that fear of what don't I know that they could ask that is the biggest thing that holds uh, young reps and new reps back early on. Now I've got a fork in the road because there's so much stuff that I wanted to take out of that, but I'm, I'm going to do this one first. So you talked about, uh, you know, these are new reps for the most part. And when you, when you bring on junior reps, more often than not, I think that fear of the next question is because they don't really have the business acumen yet that they need, that general business acumen. So how are you training that? We're lucky in, in who our audience is that uh, we are selling primarily to salespeople. And so by focusing on the, the same things that they're being measured on, I can teach them how that affects the business. And so for us in our industry, I think the biggest thing is focusing on what are the outcomes? What are the needs? Why are these things happening? And giving them the why to that around the business helps them to understand the impact that what they are bringing to the table can have on the overall organization. And so I think the, the piece that a lot of organizations miss is business acumen as a whole is important, but you can shrink that down to how business acumen affects that industry as a first step and then build on it, as opposed to trying to uh, you know, do a crash course in you know, economics 101. Let's focus on how that business operates. And if we can teach that to our own people, then they're going to have what they need to be successful, at least for now. And then we can build on top of it. So taking that first baby step and introducing them to the industry or the vertical or the role that they're attacking from a business perspective, that gives them the strength to go out and communicate that. So when you say that business, you don't mean the business they're in. You mean the, the target businesses that they're going after. Correct. Yes. The prospects business, you know, what does that leader need? And, and most importantly, the person that you're usually going after, whether that be the gatekeeper or the evaluator, that individual, not only what are they trying to accomplish, but what's their boss trying to accomplish? And when you start to understand that from a, a business perspective, that's going to open a lot more doors for the reps in terms of their ability to ask probing questions and get underneath a true need as opposed to the surface level, let me fill this in right now for you. And I think that's the biggest difference when you have business acumen about your prospect rather than trying to fill a hole they may have from a services or software perspective. One of the things that I've seen, Pat, that these young reps are struggling with is that maybe their leaders have not actually defined the target markets they're going after. So they can't teach the basics of, of, the, of that specific market. And so now it's, it's every single market. And once you have that, you're just kind of like paralyzed with what do I do next? I think that especially for growing companies, and I know that's, that's the audience that we're speaking to, a lot of times the hope is that you can control your ICP or your ideal client profile. But no matter what, that's going to expand. And if you need to go out beyond that, I think the first and most important thing is, can you understand what your decision makers' ultimate goals are from their role inside a business itself? Because normally, at least our decision makers, our evaluators, those individuals, the roles and responsibilities that they have 
those don't necessarily change that much within an organization. What they do, how they make money, all those things, that's where you get industry specific. But in, in many cases, the general role and responsibilities, we can teach that in order to allow us to catch up to more of a, a verticalized approach. Because a lot of organizations, you start to move outside of that ICP, you may not be able to learn every single industry and, and also not have the resources to support each of those with an individualized rep. So as long as we focus on the roles and responsibilities of those decision makers and evaluators, then at least we have some level of acumen going into those conversations when we enter new verticals. Building upon what we're talking about here, again, just this idea of the fear of the next question, we did it from the, the standpoint of business acumen. But the other side of this is, you know, everyone is kind of afraid of the next question. One of the things that you and I have talked about before, Pat, is that, you know, you said no one has all the answers. What do you mean by that? Well, I think in a lot of cases, we're all kind of paralyzed with what we don't know. And I think the biggest piece is when no one has all the answers, the best thing we can do is try to answer the question understand the question as specifically as possible. And once we understand the question, we can go find the answers and that no one needs to be on an island, whether that be a, a senior leader in an organization, uh, an individual rep, anyone. We, we have resources within our organizations. And if we don't, we can go find those in mentors and otherwise, but no one has all the answers. So as long as we can dig into the question and understand the specifics of the question, People are going to respect your ability to say, you know what, I don't have that. I'm going to go find it and get back to you as quickly as possible, rather than making it up, not having the right answer, trying to answer it, or uh, you know, not giving them the full picture. Um, because oftentimes saying, you know, I don't know is more powerful than, yeah, sure. Because if you say, yeah, sure to everything, uh, people start to lose trust in that as well. Pat, I kind of want to take a new direction real quick and talk about coaching. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, is evident in LearnCore and your product is that sales training can never end. And I mean that from junior level reps all the way up to the senior most level reps, even if they disagree with that. But talk to me about the role that you see coaching playing in the highest performing salespeople. I think the misnomer is that coaching is, is me always teaching someone. Um, you know, when you think about the NFL, is a wide receiver coach really teaching that much to Antonio Brown? Probably not, but it's the little things. It's the, hey, what if you did this move just a little bit different? Or, hey, you see what happens when you do this versus that? And I think that's the biggest thing is that you know, when you're dealing with high-performing reps, it does come down to the details. You know, I was just in a meeting with one of my top reps, and from a from a day-to-day -day perspective, there's not a whole lot that I'm going to coach that individual on. It's the little things. It's the, hey, you know, now with this industry, group buying has changed because of X, Y, and Z. Are you aware of that? And do you know how to speak to that? Um, you know, based on this new release that we have, do you understand how that's going to fit into these areas? And have you thought about how you're going to approach that with new clients? And so it's the, it's the little details that are most important. But I think the biggest piece too with high-performing reps is, making sure they're still on track because sometimes um, you know, they are either have been with the organization for such a long time that the old habits um, that we think have been broken through you know, the, the SKO or this or that, they haven't actually been broken. And so there's a combination of those that are accepting of that coaching where they are continuously improving 
And there are those high performers that have been doing it a certain way, but could actually achieve even more. Or we think they're high performers because they've been here a long time, but aren't actually at the same caliber as some of our younger folks. And so I think it's a combination of working on the details and understanding deals and understanding buying processes, not necessarily just sales skills. It's, it's that continuation of how do I make these bigger and better but by the, looking at the details. And so it's not just, hey, here's how you should communicate this message. It's how would you navigate these individuals and these personalities? And there's always room for us to grow on that, no matter who we are or how long we've been in sales. Now, talk to me more about that. Are you are you doing this in a one to one format? Are you doing this in a one to many? Are you just using your platform? Like, talk to me about how that works for you. I think you know, no matter what the the thing about where we are as an organization is that our landscape, our potential buyers are brand new in a lot of cases, and the market is growing like crazy. So every day for us, there is something new we can be learning. Every day, there is something that we can help guide our clients on. And so from a broad perspective, when we're talking about one-to-many, it's those ideas and those principles. You know, In a lot of cases, our primary target are those that are in sales enablement training. And those folks you know, have either moved into these roles recently, transitioned from ops, come out of the field, you name it. And so they're looking for a lot of help on what are the best practices? How should we be doing this? And those ideas are things that if we can bring to the table and help them achieve those goals, we are helping them move their business forward and not just selling them product. And so that those types of broad-based elements, uh, sales process, sales strategy, that's going to be a one-to-many and then reinforced through our technology so that we know that it's not just me telling it today. It's going to continue. You're going to practice how you're going to do it, and we're going to improve on that as well. Now, when we get down to the details piece, especially for top performers, that's usually either in a one-to-one or me and one of my managers with them as well so that we're all held accountable to it because it's not just me giving advice or me giving you these it's okay and now here's how we're going to hold each other accountable to these coaching metrics and that's the biggest piece that if there's no follow-through on that your reps aren't going to take any coaching seriously and so there's there's basically three levels of it and it cannot be a part of your deal review it has to be separate from that it can't be the pipeline discussion it has to be separate from that And with each of those pieces, then you can start to see the evolution of not just your average performers, but also your top performers. I feel like when typical managers are doing that in the pipeline review, it's because they don't know any better. I'm not saying they're they're wrong or they're bad for doing it. They just don't know any better. So what kind of cadence do you have for that true coaching that is outside of the deal review, as you mentioned? We've gone to a couple different things. So one is we do deal reviews as a team. So we stand up with each of our different teams and do a deal review there as far as the progress. Part of that is we've got a young team. So forecasting is a big piece of that. What steps do you need to make sure you've moved the deal forward? Is it really where you think it is? All those fun things. Um, And at those points, that's really where we also share knowledge about, oh, hey, this is what I tried in that. And that might help you move it forward. So we do those as a group. And then we have a individual cadence where we're digging in, spending about a half hour on that, and then shutting that down and moving entirely to the individual. And so it's a clear break between those. And that allows us to keep both the deals moving forward, sharing that knowledge with the broader group, but then on an individual basis, making sure that it's a safe place for them to open up about where they may feel like they're weak. But I think for a lot of managers, they ask the question to the rep as opposed to evaluating where those gaps may be. 
And if you don't evaluate those gaps first, reps are going to think that they're okay. Reps are going to think that they're doing well, or they're going to bring up something very obvious and small. And that's the biggest challenge we have as organizations with our managers is that a lot of them get promoted from the field and they want to replicate what they did with each rep. And a lot of times that's where you see uh, good reps leave organizations, uh, teams go down because a lot of folks aren't ready to be a manager because they don't even know where to start. And so hopefully by evaluating your reps first, you can then give them advice second. And that's really the biggest difference I see uh, and something that I hope managers start to do is evaluate first. Don't ask the rep, come, come with things to the table and then ask them how they feel about those because that at least gives them a direction to take rather than a rep that has no idea how to improve because they don't know where they stand. Just say, I don't know. And that's why almost everyone defaults to the pipeline conversation. Yeah, it, it really is. And as you said that, I kind of like saw a rep doing it. It's like, I don't know. You tell me what I need to be thinking about. So that's really good stuff, Pat. Hey, I'm going to take right. a quick break so that we can say thank you to our sponsors. When we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away. And sales tuners, you don't go away either. We'll be right back. You've heard me talk about them for a couple of months now, but you have to check out Costello. It's a deal management platform that aligns frontline sales reps, managers, and VPs so they can work together to consistently close more deals. They help reps get the right deal information from prospects, give reps and managers visibility into the quality of every deal, and help sales leaders understand what's working and what's not. Check it out at andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com. We're back and it's time for the money round. Pat, are you ready for the money round? I think so. Here we go. What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? I think that one thing is, is constant learning and uh, making sure that there's nothing that at no point am I done and that there's always room to continue to grow and try new things. If you were to start over today in sales, what would you tell yourself to spend the next 30 days doing? Focusing on business acumen and cold calling. Always need the cold calling skills. Two-part question for you here. Which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose? I think I used to be a hate to lose, especially when I was, I was younger. But now I think I'm a, I love to win because I think we learn the most from our losses. And if we don't have them, there's nothing to learn from. What's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? Think like a freak. It's one that I recommend to all of my reps and everyone because it, it just changes the way that you think about the world and think about problems. Sales Tuners, if you'd like to check out Pat's suggestion of Think Like a Freak for free, head on over to salestuners.com slash book. There you can sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salestuners.com slash book. And it's rare that I have get told a book on this show that I haven't <laughs> actually heard of, but I've never heard of this book. I promise you I'm going to go take a look at it when we're done here. So awesome. Pat, what is currently at the top of your bucket list? I think the, the number one thing in my bucket list is to take uh, my three younger brothers to Ireland on a, on a trip. The youngest is finishing up high school this year. And, and uh, once May hits, we'll be able to, uh, to hopefully take that trip together. What's the biggest piece of advice that you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? I think the number one thing is just be a good person and build your network. If you're always, you know, our number one rule here is, is to be a good person. When you connect with someone professionally, help them out. May not be this time, may not be this week, but eventually that comes back around. Um, so always be a good person and always build your network. If you want to stay in touch with Pat, he said the best way to do that would be to connect on LinkedIn with a personalized message or find him on Twitter at P underscore Raj, R-O-D-G-E. 
I had a lot of fun with this conversation in the moment. And then when I went back to listen again to pull out my top takeaways, I was reminded how chock full it really was. That said, let's get to those takeaways. Number one, frameworks are better than scripts. When you try to straight up copy someone else's style or words, it quickly becomes clear it's a script and or inauthentic. You need to develop frameworks of how to handle situations and have the confidence to make it your own. If not, you're no better off than a robot or a recording, and I don't see either of those having much success in sales today. Number two, create checkdown lists. Most of you listening probably have required fields or something similar in your company CRM. While they can be valuable, I'd rather focus energy and training on why I need to get those certain things out of each stage. Doing that allows me to go back to number one and create the framework instead of just a black and white requirement. Number three, don't fear the next question. If you find yourself afraid to say certain things because you have no idea what a prospect may ask as the follow-up, or if you'll even be able to answer the question, get over it. They're going to have a next question whether you say the right thing or the wrong thing. I've also found that instead of making a declarative statement, if I can reword it as a question itself, the prospect will often reveal the answer to themselves while thinking, you're a genius just for asking it. That's it. Those are my takeaways, but I'd love to hear yours. Please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. I reply to every message that I get. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim Brown. Let's make it rain. Thanks for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And they stay there. And they stay there. How do you write the number zero in Roman numerals?